Hey everyone, Josh and Ryan here, and welcome back to the 2% Podcast. Research shows if you put 100 random people in a room, somewhere amongst them, there'll be just two truly incredible, inspirational people who are living their lives to the fullest. In this podcast, we bring those exact people to you, week in, week out. 2% of a day is just half an hour, so thank you for taking 2% of your day to be educated and inspired by joining us on our journey as we learn the secrets, routines and dreams of the Two Percenters. Alright, hello, welcome back to the Two Percent Podcast. Today we're joined by our friend Ben Hughes. Welcome. Hello guys. Uh, nice so to meet Ben, you. give us about a minute, minute and a half, a little bio for our listeners of uh, who you are and what we're going to be talking about today. Okay, so uh, I studied sport and exercise psychology, master's level at Loughborough University. Um, my goal in life is to be um, a practitioner, a mental um, a sort of mental performance sports psychology practitioner. Uh, hopefully, go global in the future and do motivational talks and talk about sort of mental skills, so self-talk, goal setting, imagery, etc., breathing exercises, just to try and make sure that people feel more positive, um, feel more confident and motivated in life, and have that real drive and focus. So I really think that everyone has this potential and it needs to be unlocked and I want to try and get people to realise their potential and also to get them to grow and contribute in uh, in society so they learn all these skills, they learn how more about themselves and then they can contribute that to society mm. so other people also improve and thrive. Yeah, that's, that's great and that's a massive um, link up with the whole messaging around Loughborough, isn't it? Around performance, around being good at sport, providing good facilities for elite athletes and getting everyone engaged in sport i mean not just elite athletes right mm, yeah exactly yeah not just not just athletes but well everyone in general i really want to just try and imprint a difference to the whole of society um so obviously i like high performance so not just in the, the sport background but also in mm. business also in education law social care etc because everyone deals with stress everyone tries to perform at the highest level possible but sometimes they can do too much and actually sometimes um, you can actually do more doing less. Actually, you give yourself a rest, you actually have balance in life, you have an equilibrium, which is so, so important to adhere to. Yeah, that's how we met actually, isn't it? We met through um, Hashtag Me, which is an initiative here at Loughborough, um, founded by one of the students here, I think, that uh, brings students together to talk about mental health. Um, and so we're part of that. There's a group of us, uh, six or seven guys that meets up once a week just to kind of talk about our thoughts and feelings kind of we, we make a diary as well um and that reflective process is something that that is important um but i'm going to ask you first of all about um mental health as a whole and how that can translate to sport so everyone has mental health but i think that there's that um conception that um if you're not performing well maybe you don't have mental health in that same way is, is there a difference yeah, it's a great question. Um, so a lot of a lot of elite athletes or a lot of athletes in general discount their mental health to focus on performance, which is a, a real issue um, in my opinion. Um, and in society in general, a lot of athletes have to take a break, um, say that they're tired or say that they're fatigued or or they're just they just can't take it anymore. And that's because of not looking after themselves. Not that self care is so so important, and they're getting that balance. Um, but then also I've read up recently it's not all about balance because sometimes you have to sort of prioritise your performance or you have to prioritise your mental health depending on where you are in life. 
So sometimes it is 60-40, 70-30 or whatever, but it's not going to be exactly 50-50 always. But yeah, so many athletes struggle. Um, the pressures um, of obviously, there's that stigma, sadly, that apparently that you're weak if you if you open up and uh, mm. also that you have to be this mentally tough person. But actually talking about it and actually expressing yourself to your coach, to your family, your friends, and actually getting to know actually how you thrive as a person as well as being an athlete yeah. is so so important yeah that's a big one i think isn't it that sort of stigma do you think that that is there more in sport i mean you said it's something across society but is that something that you see is a bigger barrier to, to athletes and, and in sport definitely um especially because they're seen as role models um, there's mm. this uh, persona for them that they are superheroes that they are um absolute you know what i mean they, they just don't yeah, yeah. they just don't struggle anymore and and that they have to be perfect and the these machines but sadly we're all human beings we all make mistakes and and we don't accept that we need to the media is also a bad one for that really um a lot of social media especially says about all the good things in people's lives about all the good things about how they achieve but actually what about the things what they do struggle with everyone struggles everyone has their daily hassles even the elite athletes do and I think we need to realise that and accept it and educate people on that actually they need to understand how mental health works, the symptoms, the triggers, and actually develop this this knowledge base. Yeah, and I guess like with world-class athletes that are sort of highlighted on that world stage, there any sort of failures or... Because they'll have problems and stuff going on in the background, but any sort of weaknesses or problems that come up while playing the sport are shown to the world and, and in a sense sort of heightened... So the example that comes to mind is when um, I think it was the was it the Liverpool goalkeeper in the Champions League final a yeah, couple of years. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he made like a shocking error, and mm. I, I actually thought at the time like this guy's mental health is going to suffer in the next yeah. week because it was like his it was almost like it was solely on him, and you could see he was destroyed. And then it's not just like he has to suffer with that; you've got people, fans, haters, whatever, that abuse, just all just well, abusing you, the media mm. going after you. And so, like, it's not just them that's having to deal with it. People are throwing it at them as well. Yeah, and that also makes it difficult to separate your identity. So, obviously, outside of sport, they want to they want to try and be a human being. They they need to realise actually life isn't dictated by sport. Mm. And because of all the media always being on their back, and the fans, and also the coach and the managers and everything like that, is it can be very very difficult to to actually cope. Um, I must admit that it's twenty four seven news as well, isn't it? So. You, you don't have a break really if you're an elite athlete you have to always be seen as perfect and don't make mistakes but they can everyone can make mistakes yeah. and we need to realize this and uh, there was an event that we were at that was put on by heads up which is a student group here at loughborough part of the union um and there was a referee on that panel i'm sure you remember the event uh, who kind of gave the the perspective of a football referee saying that he can perform for 89 minutes really, really well, make all the good decisions, but then one decision that is wrong, say for a penalty or something that, like that, that's gone the wrong way in the 90th minute can sort of break the game. And that's what he would focus on. Um, but that's also how, like like you said, and that's how everyone defines him. Exactly. And all the people will be saying after that game, yeah. oh, the referee had a terrible trash. game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. One yeah. little moment of slip up. Yeah. yeah and you... so I guess as a, as a sport, like you don't think about, the, the whole thing around it you don't necessarily think about mental health of the managers the referees mm -hmm. the coaching staff or kind of the whole 
the whole perspective. It was think about the athlete, yeah. And that's true, actually. You never, you'll never see a headline saying, 89 minutes, really good job, ref. <laughs> Sadly, yeah, you know what I mean? But actually, yeah. a minute wasn't so good. But actually, that would that would be more honest, wouldn't it? It'd be more yeah. truthful. And it's say if you didn't see the game, you read that headline, you'd naturally think, what a shocking referee. But actually, mm. he's, he's actually had a pretty good game. He's mm. had a really good game. And yeah, we, we're fixated on the negatives, and we need to focus more on the positives. And that's where positive psychology comes in. So what's the most important takeaway then is it that we need to focus more on the positives we need to be less negative we need to be more resilient we need to have more self-awareness like what are the key components that are impacting the the things that we're talking about here i think definitely positive psychology is so so important in this aspect so um what i would say is really important is positive self-talk saying that um, i can make mistakes i am actually good enough i've tried my best it's all i can do i have to cut it loose if it's out of my control things like that if you constantly say it to yourself if you say if you put a piece of paper on your fridge or on your ceiling or whatever and read that every day eventually you'll scan for the positives also gratitude i think realize that there actually is good things about yourself write down three good things about yourself or ask someone ask a close one say to your family say i'm really struggling at the moment can you actually help me with my like thinking of actually how to improve and how to understand myself more to be for the positives, but also three things to look forward to because we're we're constantly thinking about the negatives and thinking, oh no, life's not so good, but actually we have things to look forward to. There's good things what have happened in the week. Mm. That's so often we say in assignments, we say we say in sport we're, um, and everything that we've made these mistakes, but actually done loads of good things as well. Like I've spoken to loads of junior footballers and, and boxers and everything like that, and I say to them, how do you think you did? Mm. Oh, I made this mistake or I missed this and stuff. But they probably scored three or four goals. But also in the boxing as well, they've done some really good digs or they've done some really good jabs and they've done some really good um, uh, hooks and, and uppercuts and stuff. But they forget about that. Or they're really, mm. if they try the best, so often coaches focus on the, um, the outcomes rather than the process. And so that puts athletes off. They're like, oh, I didn't succeed. But actually you tried your best. That's all you can do. You gave maximum yeah, yeah. effort. But do you think in order to become that world class level, like that is, you need to focus on those on those weaknesses and to, to get this, to get to that top tier stage. Is that why they're focusing on these th- these little margins that yeah. of error? And sport is a results based business, right? So yeah. there's a balance to be had. That is the problem. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, definitely. I think we need to improve on improving ourselves, mm. um, and that's where awareness comes in. So that's reflection. I think reflective practice in every single time we perform, every training session, every game, we need to reflect upon what went well, what didn't go so well, and how to improve. It's like that sandwich, isn't it? You get the positives, how to improve it, and then go from there. Well, yeah, positives, yeah. actually, sorry. A uh, little bit of criticism or, or ways to, or what you need to work on, and then how to improve upon it. So many coaches, so many athletes don't actually know what they actually need to do to improve. They can't articulate what's actually went on. They don't understand, they don't have that awareness of what their actual weaknesses are or what they need to improve on so mm. and they can't articulate their emotions a lot of athletes can't name actually how they feel right now like yeah. am i feeling angry am i feeling sad am i feeling uh, happy or, or what why am i feeling sad or happy and i think that's all about writing it down not um people say a lot about expressive writing and journaling each day that mm-hmm. really makes a difference to your mental health but also because you can't always talk about it sometimes write it down articulate it yourself talk about it with someone after that and then that will really improve your self-awareness and reflection. Yeah, for sure. So two key things that I'm picking up is kind of, it's about communication and it's about culture. So if you've got the ability to communicate the way that you're feeling or the, the impact that your performance or your training is having on you, 
then that's going to better impact the relationship with yourself, which is going to better impact your performance. But also that kind of focus on the failure or focus on negativity um, can lead to that kind of culture that we're talking about, which is that kind of focus on the one punch that went wrong or the one shot that you missed or something like that. Is that about kind of reframing things to as a more kind of whole perspective or is that kind of like what are the reasons behind that? Because I think that's that's the same across the board, isn't it? Not just sport. Like if you're having a, a down day or something and then one thing goes right, you don't have that automatic response of focusing on the one thing that went right. It's still a bad day. We don't do it in the other way around, do we? It's only focusing on the negative. Okay, I read, an, I read a paper last night actually in uh, Clinical Psych about how to reframe your mind in terms of a lot of people who are mentally ill, these guys are seriously mentally ill, they've got schizophrenia, depression, etc. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of the therapists try and get them to do is understand that they can make mistakes, they can have a bad day, they can feel sad. Yes, not just because you're mentally ill, but you can have still be sad even if you're mentally healthy. And, yeah, for and, sure. And, and people aren't getting that. People are thinking, oh, I'm sad or I need to not be sad. Or, mm. I need to change this right now. Mm. You've got to accept it and then come up with the practice of what to do. Like we said about the self-help technique, so um, breathing exercises, you can do a crisis plan, you can do um, you can do the gratitude, you can do the expressive writing, talk to someone. There's loads of different things. And so often we bottle it up and that's when you don't thrive in your mental health mm. and that's when it can deteriorate upon your performance, not just in sport but also in everyday life. I'm interested to hear about um, more what you've learned from this Masters in sort of sports psychology so far. What is the underpinning message that you think, wow, this is actually a really big uh, lesson that I've learned or a problem in the industry? Um, if you were going to sort of say something now, what, what, what would that be? That's a great question, actually. That's, uh, that's marvellous. Okay, so what I've realised is um, a lot with, especially at Loughborough, but also across the board with sports psychology is research it's all about research it's all about but it's totally different in the real world we need to realize this it's so artificial a lot of researchers i know you can do field experiments you can obviously talk to people everyday life do this sort of thing interviews and stuff but you're not seeing it for real and so often we've been told that we need to do we need to learn how to do an assignment an essay or or a lab report or um, dissertation which is marvelous yeah i understand they're really good skills to learn but most importantly is these craft skills your soft skills so you understand how to actually lead a group. You understand how group dynamics work. You understand how to communicate with someone. And so often we're focused on textbook, 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 or journal, journal, journal. We can't always fixate on that. We've got to focus on experience, getting to know people, how they work, how to actually gain a rapport and actually build a relationship with someone. Because if you can't build a relationship as a psychologist, you won't be a good one. Mm. And that's a massive theme across the whole of education really isn't it it's it's that we need to move away from that to a more rounded vocational experience that Definitely. prepares you on a human level on a on an intellectual level and beyond not just that sort of focus on on intellectual focus like it's the sort of classic of um when you choose your options for gcses and things like that you move away from um arts and, and music and that sort of thing and like I've, i haven't connected with that sort of side since we started the podcast like that's the sort of creativity that I've kind of missed actually throughout the last 10 years of my education since I dropped those kind of subjects but it's also like just the practical practicality, practicality issue, like yeah, you yeah, mentioned definitely. like myself and Ryan do business and we're always saying the same similar sort of thing in terms of practicality like we're learning all this stuff from a textbook but we've never been out and tried to sell a product or we've yeah. never been out yeah, and that's... spoken to managers customers CEOs 
Um, so yeah, you're you're definitely right. I think. Yeah, I mean that's where there is value add of doing a placement such as we have. So we've spent the last year in industry kind of applying that theory. I mean that's the argument from the university, I think. But I think there's definitely something to be said for for that that you need to have a more integrated educational experience that accounts for that sort of human level that is that kind of more real world thing Mm -hmm. that we've kind of missed out on um so how can we get towards that like what are the the practical things that that we can take away and start applying to ourselves like you mentioned a lot of different techniques and hopefully we can get into them a little bit more but what are the ones that people can say oh i identify with that but how do they then choose how do they then think to themselves oh i need to do self-talk or i need to do um reflection i need to do more mindful like how, how does somebody on an individual level find which technique or which tool is better suited for them uh, practice you can't obviously just think oh i tried it once it doesn't mm. work you've got to obviously constantly practice it and see whether it does work obviously with imagery it's great to close your eyes and try and keep yourself mindful and then figure out actually come up with a visual representation of what you want to achieve so do you want to, as a fast bowler, bowl a Yorker right on the money or as a footballer scoring a penalty, top corner or something and, and making that decision straight away? So I think it's best to do it by yourself at first, figure it out, then apply it to training and then apply it to a competition. So eventually it elevates. So yeah, it can be difficult. Always Im- well, imagery doesn't work for everyone. Self-talk doesn't work for everyone. Breathing exercises usually do work for everyone, to be honest, because... Obviously, everyone um, can have a raising heart rate, especially mm. under stress, and obviously breathing exercises relaxes you. you obviously got to give yourself time to learn the actual techniques of actually how to control your breathing and how to stay in the moment as well. But I think, yeah, I think definitely the practice um, element is so key, and it's that self-awareness. It's understanding, is it when I'm stressed, is it my thoughts what are being affected, or is it my feelings? If it's your feelings, then you need to do probably breathing exercises, um, but if it's your thoughts, it's self-talk. You can implement them together if it's obviously both, because under stress you can have really negative feelings mm. I mean, and thoughts together, especially when you're thinking about negative things, you can become more and more stressed and your heart yeah, rate like can understand go your own reactions. To, yeah, so to it's, understand, yes, like it's definitely yeah. self-awareness. It's understanding. Um, you can obviously do cognitive restructuring as well, which is linked to self-talk, where you can, you can write down, say, your negative thoughts and then come up with an answer on how to come up with a positive instead of that so um say i don't know uh i I just can't achieve or i just i keep on um i keep on making mistakes and i'm just um just not good enough and Mm. all this but you can easily say i've tried my best i can do this i've just got to try this try that etc it's just it's just little things it's just changing your your perspective from a negative one saying a half half sort of full um sorry so half empty instead of um and making it half full so it's quite, it's quite challenging. It depends on the individual. Yeah, depends yeah. on the team. So, yeah, I must admit, I'm, I'm still learning myself. I'm still obviously early on in my career, so I'm trying to still figure it out. I even practice the techniques myself, and self-taught really works for me, even if I'm in the gym or when I'm competing. Also, focus cues. So you focus on certain elements of your game, so therefore all you, everything else um, external to that you forget about. You get distracted, and, and you can focus on that, your attention. If your attention's in the right place in sport or in anything you're going to be more productive and you're going to be more successful. Yeah, and that's what Sandra was talking about in his episode earlier on this year was uh, being uh, a product of the products that you're trying to uh, sell or, or, or um, the education that you're trying to 
live by. So he's a get this right mental wealth consultant. Yeah. Um, which is exactly that sort of focus, trying to focus not just mental health, not just mental illness, but sort of go beyond that to a more more of a fitness approach. So that's interesting that that message is the same. I would ask um, on a on a team level, how does the sports psychology differ between a coach? And if a team is big enough, someone like a sports psychologist um, and maybe a kind of backroom counsellor or therapist who might have, like, I'm thinking of big football teams here, like they might have massive infrastructure yeah. and there's different uh, roles that do different things. So is that something that is something that you, you kind of look at in your in your master's, kind of the different, the way that sports psychology is used in different roles? Depends, where, you, depends where you're trained. Mm-hmm. Um so you can train in, say, the clinical side at times after sports psychology. So yeah. improving your counselling skills, your CBT, um, learn more about um, oh, God, it's called acceptance, commitment therapy, stuff yeah. like that. So learning more about actually it depends where your philosophy lies. Depends what mantra you and and you follow. So I follow like uh, the holistic approach. So I think mind and body is so important. So you've got to um, to thrive in your performance. You've got to hu- you've got to function as a human as well. You've got to take into account the how the body works best with sleep and nutrition, but also how the mind works best with mental skills and learning more about yourself, self awareness, reflection, goal setting, self talk, imagery, etc. Loads of different techniques. So it's mental skills training, but also looking after your body. But a lot of other techniques um can be so loads of different philosophies can follow say um biological um psychodynamic um there's loads of different some people focus on leadership and management and cohesion some people focus on sort of uh, like i said self-awareness reflection some people like motivation some people like confidence there's loads of different things but i would say sports psychology is more the mental skill side so performance but mental health would be the mental health practitioners you can work with both, but that would be sometimes stretching yourself too thin. Would you say that um, players or coaches and the sort of organisational structure above the team players are like who is less receptive to coaching around mental well-being? So, for example, do you find it a hard sell to the players? Like, do they understand the importance of it, or is it more the coaches and the teams going, guys, you need to have this. This is an important mm. factor. That's a good question. That's a good question, yeah. So it can be a cultural issue. So the whole philosophy around the team, um, as in as in hasn't got a common language, hasn't got a common shared knowledge of mental health. And so if the coach doesn't know and the, say the directors of the sport don't know, then how can they embed that with the players? Um, that's where the sports site comes in. So that's a cultural issue. But also at the same time, if the players don't accept it, if the coaches don't accept it, that actually mental health is important, then that's an issue. But the most important thing what I'm finding is that a lot of athletes and coaches can't actually understand what the symptoms are of mental health, what the triggers are, how to help your mental health, and actually how to work as a team to have a high-quality relationship so mental health can improve. Because the high-quality relationship is so important. You've got to make sure that you open up to each other, that you've got to make sure that there's respect, respect reciprocal, uh, mutual understanding of each other. Uh, and that comes with rapport building. You've got to make sure that you're honest, you're respectful, you're non-judgmental as well. If you've got that empathy in place and that emotional intelligence, then you're going to be a great coach, you're going to be a great manager, but also you're going to, as an athlete, be looked after and supported. And if they are challenged, then that, that, that that's no worries because obviously resilience will improve with their mental skills. But at the same time, 
Um, they're going to perform at high level because the high quality relationships around them, they are supported, so therefore they can thrive. If you're in a supportive, facilitated environment and culture and it's non-judgmental and it's psychologically safe, then you will go far as an athlete. And from your research and studies, how strong is that correlation between positive mental health and strong high performance as an athlete? Oh, it's it's very high. Um, so, well, what I must admit, there's not a great deal of research actually looking at that, which is sad. But um, they, there is a lot of research showing that goal setting is effective, that self talks effective, imagery, etc., breathing exercises. But at the same time, reflection, self awareness. It's really effective for athletes, but the thing is, because elite athletes are always so busy, they're quite hard population to actually study on. There's quite a lot of qualitative research, but not really a lot of quant, which is numerical, which uh, there is quite a high effect sizes within the performance element, though, where actually these techniques are effective. But yeah, there's still, it's obviously, there's a lot of gaps still, sadly, in the research, but it does, they just show, though, in a lot of mentally ill hospitals and, and how nurses um, use techniques and how therapists use techniques for these for these patients that it does work. And the thing is, people aren't realising that the, the, the people in the mental institutions are human, also mm. are the athletes. It will work pretty much the same. I know every individual is different, but if you use these techniques, use at least if you use five, at least one will work hand in hand with each other. It, people aren't realising that even though you're in a you're a different person in a different sector and one's an elite athlete and one isn't, that you can't use the same techniques. You can. You just got to adapt it and modify it for the individual. And people aren't realising that. So how can you go about if you're working with a team that has a culture that's quite resistant to your work mm-hmm. and your research? How can you go about making that case? Like for us, we'd call that a business case. Like. Yeah, fine, you might not agree with it on a cultural level, sure about the but the research is sound. How do you get that buy-in from a from a coach and from a player? Mm, that's a great question. How do you go about creating that change? Because to me, at the moment, I think, oh, actually, that buy-in must be quite easy. Like, There's so much buzz around increased mental health services and all this stuff. But actually, that's not, that's not true. That's my bubble. Mm. That's not the real world. There's yeah. still so much more stigma, so much more um, culture to be broken down around this sort of thing. So how do you go about starting that conversation around getting by? Okay, I'll probably talk to the coaches first, the actual staff high up, the hierarchy, and then discuss with them um, would it be okay to do like an educational workshop on mental health and about how it's so important for performance. And then what I'd do is I'd present it to them. It wouldn't be like boring PowerPoint or anything like that. We'd do a lot of interactive sort of workshops. So it'd be a lot of icebreakers and, and team building activities, mm. but also mind mapping and stuff about how how you feel how you're thinking right now and obviously a lot of that won't always be positive but that's when we realize actually i'm i might be doing really well i might be just i might have just got a gold medal in the olympics or i might have just won the world cup but actually is your mental health high do you feel good or actually a lot of the time you won't be able to sustain performance if your mental health is low a lot of cricketers over the years jonathan trott Andrew Flintoff, Steve Harmson, loads of them were at the pinnacle of their career, but then suddenly, because of stress and because of mental illness, and well, as in not thriving their mental health and looking after their mental health, that they actually underperformed and actually had to take a break from the sport. And people need to, that shouldn't happen in sport, that should not happen in performance. They, People need to be looked after. Everyone's human. We need to look after people's mental health. And I think I think talking about them case studies, I think would be really uh, inspiring actually. Mm. And and also they would understand 
oh, okay, I've been through that, but I'm actually a little bit nervous to talk about it right that now. Relatability. Yeah, relatability. Yeah, yeah. If they relate to it, then... Because a lot of... Let's be honest, not everyone likes to open up about how they feel or what they think because they see it as, sadly, weakness. That's the society sort of stigma. So I think looking at case studies, looking at inspiration about these highly athletes, I bet they didn't even realise they actually did have depression or they did have bipolar or... That education as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I think incorporating the case study of inspiration and role models with the um, understanding symptoms, understanding triggers, and understanding how to help each other along the way. Because yes, you might be an individual athlete like a tennis player, but their family and friends can help them. They can help their family and friends, it's reciprocal. But also at the same time, the management team, the nutritionist, the I think the multidisciplinary team need to understand that there's, there needs to be a shared knowledge of mental health. So therefore there's a common language because say if, let's think the coach is something really negative, but the physio and the strength conditioning coach say other things really positive, then obviously there's no correlate, there's no consistency. Yeah. If there's no consistency, then the person's going to be pulled away from different areas and you're going to go in different directions. We need to make sure we're all going in the same direction, I've got a shared understanding of mental health and a shared knowledge, so therefore they can thrive together, not just the athlete thriving, but also everyone around them. Mm. I think when you talk about those case studies, people like Tyson Fury is a yeah. prime example of that. Someone you know, so strong and tough and physical on the outside, um, but sort of really embracing overcoming the lowest of low of mental health and shouting loud about it. Yeah. How important is that for the industry? Very, very important because before that, obviously I know there was um, there's a few, um, like I said, the cricketers, there's also Frank Bruno in boxing who said a few things and then Kelly Holmes, um, loads of uh, different athletes, but at the same time, um, with a boxer saying about it at his level Tyson Fury seen as a heavyweight boxer seen as this macho man actually opening up and expressing himself like that is it's incredible for this industry because it makes sure it makes sure that actually people f actually understand that athletes are human as well are actually going through tough times yeah. yes they might have all this fame and fortune all oh, they've won this trophy and this belt and stuff yes that's absolutely amazing but they can also feel bad they can also feel sad about themselves and and sometimes that that comes with obsession. Some athletes, uh, even Ronaldo, I bet um, that people like him. I know Phelps, for that matter, he got quite obsessed and got upset. Um, sorry, got depression during his career, and I bet Ronaldo, because of his obsessive obsessive personality, I bet that doesn't uh, help his mental health at all. That yeah, can all go so, both ways, can't it? Yeah, because yeah. pas passion. There's two types. There's one which is which is really accommodating for your performance. So you do sport because you love it. You do sport because um, it's it, well, it makes you feel good, um, but also you can have the obsession where I must win. I win at all costs. Mm -hmm. Come on, give it your best. That's where Lance Armstrong come in, came in, where he he wanted to be um, this amazing cyclist, but he wasn't quite up to scratch. So that's why he took performance enhancing drugs, uh, and that's because of the culture around him was putting all that pressure on him, and he was seen as the best in the world. So he felt like, oh, I need to be consistent. I need to I need to do something about this, and that's where and that's where um, the pressure comes in. So. This win at all cost mentality needs to change. We need to just try our best, and that's all we can do. And so, with somebody like Tyson Tyson Fury, do you think that um, the fact that he's still competing has a disproportionate impact on the the impact that his story is having? Like you talk about people like Phelps, people like uh, Dame Kelly Holmes, like their stories have generally mm -hmm. come out around their mental health after they finish competing. So the maximum impact of that is probably decreased, I would have thought. I tell you. Whereas he's at the top of his platform. He's never probably going to be more successful and famous in terms of the sport as he is right now. Mm -hmm. 
he's heavyweight champion of the world or, or, or whichever title it is that he holds. I'm not a boxing expert, but... Part he, of that, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas if he comes out with his story in 15 years' time, once he's retired, or, I don't know, five years' time after he's retired, surely it would have a different impact. So the fact that he's at the top of his game right now, how can we get more sports people to... Well, Danny, Danny Rose is done that they're at the top of their yeah. Danny Rose exactly yeah. yeah so that's good but yeah it would be good for more athletes to speak about it um, they probably do to be honest but it's not seen as a massive headline or probably. something like that because yeah. people always focus on sadly a lot of the media like to jump on your back if on the negative things or they'll change this like I've seen a lot of cricketers actually lately Glenn Maxwell just expressed himself to his coach saying I'm not feeling good at the moment but that was because the coach identified it and that's because Langer is educated in mental health. He understood his athlete. He knew that actually he wasn't right. Yes, and he was actually performing really well that week. He got um, he got a fifty and was smashing it all, all over and got a run out and everything. He was bowling well and played well for Lancashire this year. But he was actually suffering and experiencing a lot of pressure, and that's where he's taking a break. Same as Moen Ali. But a lot of the media says uh, they're tired or they're mm. they're struggling. They don't actually specifically say it's mental health. Um, which is a problem, and I think that's, I think that's a problem as well. We need, I think, the media needs to be more honest and say this is a mental health issue. They've expressed themselves, uh, and something needs to change. But like I said, it's still that stigma, and that's why people aren't probably being as expressive. But I think the coach needs to create an environment where the the athlete feels like they can open up to him and say, you know what, I'm not feeling too good. I need to have a, I need to have a rest. I need to have a break, a week or two off. Because how often do athletes go around the world? They're constantly. They might have just played in the Premier League, but then they've got the international campaign, and then they've mm. got loads of different tournaments to play in. They've got pre-season, they're training all the time. They actually do have a lot of downtime, but that's where a lot of the sort of blues comes in after competition, but also during during training or, or after training, you can struggle with your mental health because you lose yourself as a person. Like I said, there's that, that identity. You yeah, can get, and coming back from injury as well is yeah, yeah. surely a massive one, especially Huge. sports like football when you're forced back to, you're kind of, uh, rehabilitated so quickly to get yourself back yeah, out yeah. there seen as a machine um, yeah it's a problem because then you've got the pressure of oh I need to make sure I get selected mm. I need to make sure I've got my sponsors I need to make sure the fans still still like me and love me and want me to be a part of the team they want me to get rest and they want me to get on straight away and the scene is Rackham and Stackham sort of thing when actually it, it, it's tough it they need to they need to rest they need to understand actually their bodies need to and their minds as well need to take a break and actually sometimes injury can be a great thing and I'll tell you why it gives people a chance to understand who they are as a person outside of sport because they've totally lost their identity as a sportsman now mm. and now they need to think okay so I'm actually a dad I'm actually a son I'm actually a brother and they forget about that and, and they actually understand um, they've got they can take part in other hobbies they can start I don't know they can even start watching films they can watch music they can do gaming they can spend time more with family and friends have a nice hot bath and don't always get obsessed and dictate the sport to their lives they can actually understand that actually there's more to life than just sport and um, and sometimes it can actually be a revelation and, and something adversarial growth is sometimes a great thing it's going through adversity can make someone feel like actually I need to do some I need to do more than just train and play and eat I need to do other things with my life I need to walk the dog I need to uh, I need to have you know we forget about the daily uplifts which is like laughing into your ribs ache or having a nice pint with your mates or something even athletes do go to the pub and actually have a pint but we don't realise that the scene is now you've got to have a protein shake yeah, and, yeah. and all this but actually people 
athletes are, are actually the exact same. Yeah, we can get starstruck seeing them and stuff because a lot. I mean, I've been seeing him on the TV. He's a lot taller in person and all this. <laughs> but actually, he's, there's actually they're great. Um, they're great people. They're actually humans as well. They can actually they can have a nice pint with you and they can have a chat. They can get to know you and stuff. But because they're so obsessed sometimes with their sport and that and injury actually, like I said, can be can be a great thing for them because they can understand who they are as a person what to do next and actually um, improves a person. Nice. No, that's a great message. So before we move on to your sort of career trajectory in this space, um, we know you've got this blog post coming out, which is a big thing you're working on at the moment. Mm -hmm. Is there anything we haven't covered that you want to sort of um, touch on from that blog post or explain to the people what it is, why, why it's important to you? Okay, so I picked this topic. We're doing a performance psychology module at the moment with uh, Dr. David Fletcher. At Loughborough University, and uh, it's a really right. It's one of the well, it's my favourite module at the moment. It's incredible. So it's all about how to um, how to make sure um, athletes function at the highest level. Um, so leadership cohesion, um, thriving, adversarial growth, etc. But I focus on is thriving because a lot of athletes are at the highest level are thriving in their performance or perceived to be thriving in their performance. But actually, the reason why they might not be thriving is because of their mental health. They neglect it. They they discount it. And I think mental health is obviously so so important. Everyone has a brain. Everyone has mental health. We need to, we need to focus on it. We need to actually realise and prioritise it. So, and so I wanted to come up with self help techniques for athletes to understand and educate them on actually how to improve their mental health and how to understand how their mental health works. So the symptoms, the signs, the triggers, and actually what to do next, rather than just focusing on. Or oh, I need to train, 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 and, and work harder. And oh, come on, I need to not be weak. I need to not cry, and all this. You can. We're all human. We're natural. We're, we're human beings. We are. It's normal to express ourselves. It's normal to be <laughs> be human. You know what I mean? Yeah. We can. We no, no one's perfect, and and people perceive that athletes are, and this this is an issue. Even at the lowest level, uh, grassroots level, kids think that I need to be perfect, I need to do this. I see so much, so often in sport that they say, oh no, I've done that wrong and did this wrong. Like I said earlier though, you, how many good things have you done though? You've mm. just scored three and goals. just play. Yeah, yeah, and just play and enjoy yourself. That's why we play sport. The, at the beginning, the first reason why we play sport can be because your mum and dad tell you to, but <laughs> sometimes it's actually you love it. And you need to hold on to that. If you don't love your sport, in my opinion, you should just give up now. Even at the highest level, you need to find a different career if needs be. And uh, a lot of time, like we said, we've got transition of problems where the athletes don't know what to do after their career because um, retirement's usually a lot younger or injury makes them retire or something, so involuntary retirement. And actually, athletes need to know what their skills are, what their strengths are, and this is where the self-awareness and reflection can come in. So they can understand actually what they need to work on as a performer, but also what their great things are as a as a person. So got great discipline, great consistency, commitment, teamwork. They're actually really funny or, or something, you know what I mean? Or got great intelligence. A lot yeah, of that's self-recognition. Yeah, so recognition, understanding that we can actually big ourselves up sometimes uh, and say, what we've achieved so often athletes are, are always thinking what's next what's next what's next what about the now how much have mm. you achieved in your life in the last be five years present. be more present mm. yeah and, and realize that i've been speaking to a couple of athletes recently and say please write down for me what what you've achieved in the last one year or two years and they're like oh i didn't think of that actually yeah because i mean i'm feeling quite down at the moment but then they write down 10 things and think and that makes them automatically feel good because they're like yeah i've achieved this i've got 
I've achieved this medal, I've achieved this trophy, I've got this in my assignment, I've um, I've been involved in so many different things. And because we're, we're always focused on rushing, rushing, rushing and being on autopilot, we need to realise the present moment actually is really important or thinking about the past and actually thinking of all the good things in your life and, and thinking about what the good memories are. I think that's important. So the whole, pro the whole part of the whole blog post is about how to help people, um, not just athletes, thrive in their mental health, how to actually understand how to improve their mental health and what to do next. Um, it's all about practical skills. So like I said, the self-awareness, the reflection, um, the gratitude, um, goal setting, loads of different things, staying mindful and meditation, but also most importantly is that high quality relationship with your coach, your physio, strength conditioning coach, and making sure you're in a psychologically safe environment and making sure that you can have quite high quality relationship with your family and friends. But sometimes you haven't got that. So sometimes therapy or counseling or going to someone who is a stranger is, is a good thing to talk to. Mm. So then you can just let it out and express yourself. Sometimes venting, like I do it to my dad, I'll ring him up and vent to him how I feel and think sometimes, even though this is the industry I wanna work in and I wanna help people, but sometimes I, even psychs can struggle with their mental health and, and sometimes they need someone to talk to and express themselves. And everyone is the same in that respect. We need to talk, we need to open up and that's gonna be my main message. Yeah, no, thanks for that summary. Um, it weren't really a summary. No, 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 no. You're like, um, Wilf chat links. Message, yeah. Um, so where's the best people to find you? Is it Instagram, I think? Uh, yeah. If they want to connect with you there, what, what's your handle? Coach Ben UK. So Coach Ben UK. We'll chat that in the description for everyone. Uh, so now we're going to move on to um, the kind of second part of the show, the second half. Um, we're going to focus now a bit more on you, your practice, okay. what your ambitions are in that. Um, and that kind of background. So I don't really know too much about this. I've, I know you mentioned before a few times that um, you want to be your own your own boss, your own practitioner. Yeah. You want to set up your own consultancy. Um, consultancy. Um, so yeah, kick us off with that. And tell us about that. Oh, great. I can talk about myself. <laughs> <I'll> talk all <laughs> day. <laughs> My ego is just going to expand. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I really appreciate this, guys. Um, okay, so right now, obviously, studying my master's. I'll be graduating September next year, well, finishing next year. Um, and then I've got my stage two, which is two to three years, which is um, doing case studies, reflection, and understanding more to be a safe and competent practitioner. Um, yeah. um, and then I've got my HCPC sort of thing. There's loads of different bits and bobs I need to do. So I'm going to be working on my counseling skills and business skills because um, it's great that I've got, say, all these skills as a psych, but I need to understand how to sell myself and how to market yeah, myself. Sure. So, And obviously you guys do that as well. So might have to get some tips um so um yeah so that's really important so i'm just trying to get myself out there more so working on getting those um kind of core qualifications that you need yeah. to practice but then also around kind of what are the business and entrepreneurial skills skills and aspects as well no, that is important so i want to become a rounded practitioner i don't want to just be knowledge 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 i need yeah. to understand how people work how society works yeah. and actually how to maximize <laughs> I know it's not all about money, but maximize my profit because I want to make sure that cause I've put a lot of hard work in the last like six years coaching and and doing some um, some talks with a lot of a uh, lot of athletes over the years where I do it for free, which yeah. is great. Yeah. But I need to I need to live. Yeah, you need to maximize. <laughs> need to no, exactly. You need to maximize your value, especially as a um, as a consultant. Like it's important to be able to price yourself right, to exactly. be able to see where you fit in the market, to see who might need your services, so mm -hmm. you can. Um, contact them and, and all that sort of thing so I think that is definitely really important and that is something that comes up quite a bit 
is is about where's the line between offering your services for free mm. um yeah. and where where do you go actually no i need to charge i need to start making that journey um it's a very difficult and decision. it's something that uh in our circles we we hear about quite a lot because yeah especially in if you're a creative if you're a designer or if you're or if you've got a skill like like coding or website that sort of thing it's always like oh just you know just just make that logo for me will you like yeah. i just need a logo for mm. my business it's like yeah, yeah but that's a service you've got to pay for that like yeah yeah, my flatmate does that actually. And yeah. yeah, he's going to be earning tons. He'll be a millionaire by the time he's 40. 100%. Yeah. So, how come, uh, or what is your driver behind going straight from your education into working for yourself? How come there's not a kind of uh, gap in there where you're thinking, oh, I'll go and, I don't know, work for a work for someone else for mm. a bit? Like, to be fair, actually, is, is that an option? I don't, I don't know. I've reflected upon that recently. Mm. Um, and there's quite a lot of um, companies like supporting champions. There's um, there's also changing minds and and even Gymshark or anything like that where I can actually give some workshops and help them out and, and support them and work for them. So I might do that first because I think probably sure. understand understanding the industry and how it works first is probably more important rather than just stepping straight into a business and yeah, maybe yeah. not being successful or not being the success I want to be. So it's it's obviously a gradual process, um, a lot of learning involved and growing. A lot of people think after the master's, oh, I'm, I'm the best, I can do this now and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need to not think like that. You need to think actually stay grounded, stay humble and, and, and be hungry and try and be the best you can possibly be. Um, you don't have to be the best. You can still be a great without being the best. And I've realised that. Like, I've, I've spoken to Sykes where I've said to them, I want to be the best in the world, I want to be the best in the world. And get quite obsessive with that. It's not all about that. It's about being the best you can possibly be which might not be the best but you can still be bloody good at what you're doing mm. and something that um i thought of there was a conversation um with gavin i guess last week and he is um chief exec of um this uh youth zone yeah. so oh, nice. really big in his career killing it at what he does and he spoke about this concept of imposter syndrome um so he's sort of saying that he you know even him at that level didn't feel sometimes that he was good enough to be there and he felt like an imposter in that position. Um, which I think is a really interesting like concept. Do you think that is something that, or is that something that you have faced as a, as a young site going, am I good enough to do this? Is that something that challenges Definitely. you? That's why I don't charge mm. um, at times. I'm worried about making mistakes and people thinking you're not worth this money. Um, which can be quite tricky. I definitely want to start charging soon because I, I talk to my mum and dad, I talk to a lot of my friends and they say, you need to be charging, you, you're good at what you do. And I get a lot of positive feedback about how I create positive minds and I might not be the most practical right now. A lot of it, what well, a lot of stuff I work with is just having a nice chat over a video call or one-to-one over a coffee and actually understand the person, let them express themselves and then identify the problems and then how... I would as a person how how I would do it but then also adapt it for them of course so obviously cause like I said individual differences but we'll have a chat and figure out like techniques to how to make themselves feel more positive more motivated focused confident reduce their anxiety but also people don't realize anxiety actually can be really good for performance because it shows that you care and also it makes you more alert and, and actually gives you a little bit more motivation and hunger it's actually you should realize that being anxious or being a little bit worried and nervous actually is, is a healthy thing to do like i said we're human beings we can feel like this and we need to sort of accept it but also have that flexibility in mind where sometimes we need to understand that's too much that's too little it needs to be a nice healthy medium yeah and i guess 
it's gonna it's gonna just come over time, isn't it? It's not something that you're gonna find the perfect balance of straight away that in is. terms of how much you charge and to whom, um, and that sort of thing. But I think it's definitely something that you should look at, mm-hmm. um, you know, because you're a valuable resource to to teams, to organisations, yeah. um, and looking at how you can do that. I think for me at the moment, it would be just to say, well, continue in that process of having an introductory call with whichever organisation. Yeah. Um, be honest and transparent about I'm still going through the process of, of setting up um, however this is the structure that I'm going to follow so we're yeah. going to have an introductory call I'm going to come back to you with an offer of a program say that's five workshops or, or whatever mm. um, and a certain amount of one-on-one time that they can have outside of those yeah. so if the coach needs some special time with you just give me a call between x time and the cost for that time of mine is x amount and that's the package that's um, a great shout so that would be how I would phrase it. And then if that's something that, that is uptaken, then then carry on with that. If not, maybe look at it as a one-to-one workshop basis or, or that sort of thing. And you can build bespoke programs around the specific uh, skills that you have. So you might have one talk around thriving in sport. And mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the title of your, of your talk. And it's a one-hour keynote that you go and give to sports teams in, in cricket or football. Any sport, and sport, yeah and whichever sport and then you tailor it for each organization um and you have that uh, rough price point of x and that's that's kind of how you might package it so yeah i think definitely continue to get involved in in the enterprise stuff here because there's a lot of a lot of stuff you can be doing right now around that even if it's Mm. not setting up your own bespoke consultancy yet there's a lot of stuff that you can be doing now yeah. but then obviously you've got studying and that sort of thing to yeah, think yeah. about and uh, i'm a little bit overwhelmed as well you no know, exactly <laughs> yeah, and that's so just what, that's just what the same boat just had two handings but, this week but no i totally totally agree with that and actually one thing what i took from that is amazing um you might get a no from someone or yeah, you might get yeah. 10 no's you might get 20 no's yeah but that shouldn't affect your confidence that yeah. it's going to happen in life but it's not a rejection it's redirection and it's it gives you a chance to actually there's other options there's actually not everyone's going to like you as a practitioner. Not everyone's going to believe in your your philosophy or your, see your value. But you've got to be genuine and believable and be honest with yourself. So, so actually, the people you do work with um, don't see you as a fake. And actually, you yeah. are you are real. You're true to yourself. You've got that authenticity, which is so important. But like I said, like I've I've listened to Tony Robbins. I've listened to Oprah Winfrey, and I listen to a lot of their talks about how they've got rejected loads in life. But look at them now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And everyone experiences that jk rowling i think went to 13 publishers and look and yeah, no one yeah. thought harry potter was going to be any good look at it now no, billionaire it's quite well known, that one isn't it yeah, yeah it's that's kind of a classic it doesn't matter what time yeah just keep plugging away type story exactly um, especially in your industry as well like loyalty and relationship management is so important yes so you might have five it's your uh, reputation five clubs that you're working with or five organizations and you work with them for years and years and years and they keep coming back to you and you have that yeah. relationship. Is That's that better want. than having a hundred organizations or clubs that you do one session with? I would I'd say probably you want that deep yeah. relationship. I want that deep um, relationship. That's what I'm all about. Yeah, yeah I try and, uh, like I did a post last night actually on Facebook about my dad um, and about how he's created this positive mindset for me where mm. he says to me, um, all you can do is try your best, cut it loose, whatever yeah. you can't control always do stuff with a smile on your face 
appreciate other people's success as well. Like I really struggled with that as, as, as a cricketer and mm. as a footballer and rugby player of the years when I was a little kid and doing these things and I used to get really jealous and, and upset with other people's success but now I've realised them in my team, why am I getting upset about this? Yes, I want to contribute myself and give my all but if I've gave my all and other people have been successful, that's fine. Yeah. I'm still part of the team, we've still succeeded together and we might have failed together but you know what I mean? I, I should still appreciate other people's um, greatness and, and their skill level and how special they are and that's why I've got into sports psych because mainly because of my own mindset and actually how to improve it but also and understanding myself more but also how to get that growth and that knowledge and how I apply it to other people because I understand how it feels to to be isolated to feel unconfident how to feel anxious and, and have that negative mindset and I want to try and because I was a very I was quite an aggressive child I had a lot of anger issues and stuff I used to get so frustrated it's part of my um, I, I didn't know I was dyslexic at the time so I didn't I learned in a different mm. way and, and a lot of it is but like I said it's self-awareness it's understanding you as a person how to thrive and I think like I said that links well with the blog it's understanding you as a person you as a, as a practitioner and how you and how play to your strengths it's, you're always going to have weaknesses sometimes obviously it's good to try and be a rounded practitioner and work on them weaknesses but sometimes you have to neglect them and think let's make these strengths super strengths perfect you've got this massive vision I want to know what excites you and what scares you the most going forward to achieving that vision I'll tell you these questions incredible <laughs> okay Ooh, what am I excited about let's think um, I want to go around the world definitely as part of the process traveling um, try and make myself have a good reputation in, in Britain first that's where the Instagram comes in I've got quite a lot of followers in USA and Australia so I'd love to go around the world and thrive over there as well and make a difference and imprint my positivity and my mindset to Australia and America uh, Asia etc um, and that's going to be really exciting. I must admit, it's going to be quite scary at the same time because uh, totally different cultures. You don't. You're always worried that you're not going to be liked. You're always worried it's not going to work out. But that shouldn't. You shouldn't have them self doubts. You should be more worried about not being successful, and you should be more. I don't know. You just got to be true to yourself and 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 just be just just be believable and genuine. And, and if they don't believe in you, then that's their loss. Really, you got to think like that. You can't just think. Um, oh no they're not going to like me because what about if they do like you we, we always think about these negative outcomes before they even happen so I need to focus on that more the positive outcomes um, enjoy it I think just try my best and, and make the pro and yeah just just enjoy the ride really there's going to be some bad days going to be some good days but focus on the good days um, but what I'm scared of ooh, um, I suppose staying afloat I suppose financially because um, it's quite a gamble in the future a lot of risks involved but I need to think of obviously a proper business plan to, to think that over and making sure it's got some substance um, I'm scared about like I said yeah being being unsuccessful being um, having them sort of self-doubts I suppose but at the same time that's that's a healthy process to be in everyone has them self-doubts but it will work out in the end that's what I'm always thinking of so that's where the positive mindset comes in but yeah, I'm excited about trying to make a difference to people's lives, making a difference in society and the culture, um, because I think there's too much negativ negativity out there and there needs to be more positivity. Um, so that's going to be really, really important. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really... I must admit, it's been quite hard to say about being scared because I, I like challenges. I've mm. always been brought up on challenge yourself, give your all. I've got this six-month rule in my family where, where I have to stick to things for six months, like scouts, cubs, sea cadets. Uh, I might have hated the people at first. I might have not got along with them, made friends or anything. But same cricket, football, rugby, 
all the jobs that I've worked in, I've had to do for six months. Um, it's the golden rule because eventually after six months, if you don't like it, then you, you obviously don't like it. But before then, you actually might... Just overcome it. Yeah, it's overcome yeah. the give obstacles. It, give it time. Give it time. To... Exactly. I like that. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, so that's, that's my rule in my family. And yeah. uh, it really works a treat. And I think... So say if I go to Australia for the first month and it's absolute horrible, I can't get any clients, no one wants to work with me, I'm really struggling to get a job. But actually after six months usually will get a job yeah. by then you will have no, some exactly. sort of success it's quite a lot of time actually yeah, so, really if you yeah. think about it isn't it six so, months so give yourself yeah. time i think that's key yeah. nice one okay so now we're gonna move on to the last section we're gonna ask you a question from gavin from last time okay um so we've got a question uh for you and then we'll ask your question for the next guest so have a think about that as well <laughs> so the okay. question from gavin is what is a moment in your life when you've been most inspired Ooh, okay. Moment in my life where I've been most inspired. Mm. That's a great question. Okay, um, I must admit recently, um, having a, a talk from Dr. Steve Ingham, um, he said about the craft skills and stuff, because so often these lecturers are saying to us about, you need to work on your research and stuff, and, and it's totally different in the, in the real world, and they didn't actually say how to apply it, but this guy was saying about, um, I loved it actually. He didn't get many GCSEs. Um, I don't love that, but he didn't. He didn't. Um, he, didn't um, he, he was saying about. He was being really honest with us and saying about he was unsuccessful at first, but then came through it and got through these barriers. And he was saying about he's he's worked with a, a, one of the best practitioners in the world. Obviously, couldn't specifically say who they were, but they got a third in their degree. But actually, they're one of the best people to talk to, and actually got them craft skills. So it's not all about the grades. That's what he's inspired me in that way. Obviously, I want to focus on trying to get the best grades possible, but kind of not be that. disheartened yeah. disheartened by maybe a, a pass or, or a merit, and actually don't always like go for that distinction. Well, go for the distinction, but if you don't get it, you don't get it. It's one of them. So the grades don't define who you are. So that's really important. Um, I must admit, recently my my granddad um, he got uh, got cancer. Went all through all the stages. Um, had all the chemo and stuff. Had two lots of brain surgery, um, all in within nine months, wow. uh, and uh, and he's and he lost loads of weight, lost a third of his body weight, and uh, and lost the ability to walk again. Really, um, had to use, well, can walk, but he has to use a walking stick or a Zimmer frame. But now, he's overcome all that, um, and he's putting weight back on. He's um, he can smile, he can have good fun, he, and and he's happy. He's got through the cancer, got through the brain surgery. Um, and I must admit he's a little bit deaf, bless him, <laughs> but obviously you can understand that, I can, I can take that, um, but he is fried from that, and I asked him, how have you done this? He said, I, I don't know, I spoke to the surgeon about a year ago, and I, I said, I think I've lost a battle here, um, and then obviously that chat obviously must have inspired him in some way, and he probably said, actually, you can overcome this and stuff, but it's just the amount of resilience the guy has, and the positive mindset is inspiring, um, to go through cancer and bowel cancer as well, where he was literally uh, puking up bile and, and being sick and, and actually every time he eaten was it's making his stomach bleed and obviously basic need in life is to eat and actually have nutrition um, and actually go through two lots of brain surgery is phenomenal. Um, so that's mm. inspiring, but I don't know, uh, my mum and dad are really inspiring because they work, they've worked 60 hours a week for the past like 30, 40 years and worked to be where they are today and to give me the best quality um, childhood. Um, I must admit, I'm very lucky and I've been spoiled, I must admit. So I, I, I thank them for that. But um, in terms of, I suppose, Tony Robbins, I love his, his a lot of that growth and contribution and, and fulfillment in life is from his talks, listening to him. 
Uh, Gary V as well is amazing as well, so he inspires me. But um, I, I don't know. I, I Matthew McConaughey's speech actually in the Oscars. Uh, mm. When did he get the Oscar? That's a big few years. Yeah, famous one. Yeah, 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 I love yeah, it, yeah. and I listened to that. I've listened to it about three times in the last week during these assignments and saying, and just to inspire me to say, you can, you can obviously struggle, at, but a lot of the support around you helps and um, so his family's helped him his mom and dad his, his wife and kids and stuff they make him proud and they they give him that boost the same as my mom and dad do but also at the same time his inspiration is him in 10 years that's his chase he chases him so term. yeah so yeah. no other inspiration except himself in 10 years all the time so when he was 15 his inspiration was when he was 25 he's 25 now 35 etc always having that drive yeah, yeah. No, that's fantastic. So I, I love that. Yeah. So that's that's inspired me. So my inspiration in a way is me at thirty three. So yeah. by then I want to um I want to be have gone around the world, um to at least a couple of countries, made a difference, got my own consultancy, got my own mental skills training and I'm successful, got my own team around me, um, earning money whilst I'm uh, sleeping. <laughs> got a few packages here and there what people want to follow with mindsets and stuff and trying to stay positive and and just making a difference with the world and, and trying to create a culture. So yeah. so lots of speeches I listen to, uh, mum and dad and, and my granddad. Yeah, that's amazing. amazing yeah. Well, Gavin, I hope you're pleased with that answer. There's a few few tidbits there for you. Uh, we definitely are. So, uh, Ben, let's ask you now, what is your question for the next guest? We don't know who they're going to be yet, but what is one thing that you want to know? What's on your mind? It doesn't have to be about sport. What is What is something that you want to know? Who are you? That's my question. So I'll elaborate. So what um, what drives you in life? What is your purpose? Um, why why do you do what you do? Because um, I must admit I've met a lot of people in, in life where they're not happy with their with their job and um, they they're absolutely miserable. And I've worked in warehouses and stuff for summer jobs and stuff like that. I worked in, in in restaurants and bars and stuff, and they've worked there for thirty years. And I say to them, "Oh, you're not enjoying yourself. Why have you left?" And it's because they don't know what who they are as a person. They don't know what their strengths are. are. Yeah, yeah, they don't know. They don't know what their strengths are, what their passions are. They don't know what to do next. So, and it's and they're scared. They're scared about putting themselves out there, going outside the comfort zone because they've been so used to it for 20, 30 years. They don't know what to do. So, who are you as a person? Um, so, because I think to do any job, you have to enjoy. You have to have a passion for it. it. Has to be part of your sort of philosophy and your mantra, because otherwise, you're not going to be believable. You're not going to enjoy it. You're not no. going to be genuine. So. So in other words, who are you as a person to make sure that you can thrive in your happiness and in your and in your career? Nice. Great stuff. And uh, not a bad question, no, Mr. No, no, it's great. Three That's words, what we love. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find that answer um, on the next episode. So you we'll, we'll link that to you. It's quite deep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, nice. with that that's it. Thanks for thanks for coming. I really on. appreciate been a great, it, gents. Great chat. So and uh, yeah, we'll see you next time on the Two Percent Podcast. All the best guys. Cheers. Well, that's it for another episode of the 2% Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed recording. If you or someone you know has a story to tell, we'd love to hear from you. So please get in touch. And if you have a question you want answering, send it in to us using Anchor Voice Messages and you can feature in a future episode. All the links are in the description. Stay motivated, follow your dreams and as always, do it with a smile.